Hello, I'm your host, Michaela Marshall, and this is Welcome to the Hellmouth. Hi, I'm your host, David Lindley. This is the Apologetically Canadian Buffy Podcast. Hellmouth? Hellmouth. Oh, we always should have been pushing that. We should have been apologizing for it so much sooner. Oh my Listeners, god. I'm so sorry for every time we say about, We're... because I can't listen to it <laughs> and not hear it. I think I say now pretty uh, pretty interestingly. Anything with well, that kind of like OU sound. Sound is another good... Oh. <laughs> I just want to say, from the bottom of our hearts, that we're sorry. We're ever so sorry. Oh god, we're so Canadian. That's fine. This is Season 2, Episode 2, Some Assembly Required. Original air date, September 22nd, 1997. What mm. a great episode, Dave. Yeah, this is, uh, well, it's a stinker. I was gonna I'm call it a stinker. That's a good word for it. Mm-hmm. It's not that bad, I guess. It's just not very good. This is <laughs> Frankentimes. And I was like, hey, are we seeing Spike yet? Because I really wanted that to be true. Short answer, no. Long answer, we'll get there at the end. Soon! <laughs> Soon! So pipe. Yeah! This episode is kind of in the vein of a season one episode. Mm -hmm. It's very much, Frankenstein is a popular monster movie, and we're gonna turn that on its head. Sort of. Uh, mildly, I guess. <laughs> We start out with Buffy on patrol waiting for a vampire to rise, and who should show up but Angie, that boy that she really likes but has a lot of tension with. Did you notice that she was playing with a yo-yo in this scene? She was very conspicuously yo-yoing. Is that something to do with the wild popularity of yo-yos in the 90s? <laughs> like <laughs> Next episode, we'll see her with a hacky sack. So first of all, only only college kids play hacky sack. Oh, fuck. I think that's what oh, we will see them with <laughs> hacky sacks, won't we? Fuck. I can only imagine that we will. You're 2,000 uh, college kids. You think they're not going to be playing hacky sack? They didn't have iPhones yet. <laughs> uh, what else could they do with one another? Yeah. <sighs> So yeah, Angie shows up, great. And what are they bringing up but that scene from last episode where Buffy danced with Xander really weirdly. Apparently Angel's not happy about it. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously so many problems with this. Like at one point, Buffy's like, oh, are you jelly because we danced together? And he's more like, more like made it with him. And I'm like, what? That's, <laughs> what? <laughs> First of all, no one calls it that. Second of all, <laughs> What? <laughs> Hey, he's over 200 years old. He can use some outdated slang. At least in this scene, they did give Angel more to do. Like, yes. he didn't just stand there and brood and say something cryptic. He had, like, feelings and thoughts. And he was confrontational. Yeah. Perhaps overly so. And then the whole point of Buffy being here is that she's waiting for a vampire to rise that she know will rise. He rises. Angel eats it from a shuffle no. that the vampire's holding. He eats it hard. <laughs> Goes down so fast, and then Buffy has to basically stake him with the blunt end of a shovel. Does she not uh, snap it first? Oh, does she? I mean, that's how mistakes are made, <laughs> right? We've been over that this. That makes more sense. <laughs> how did how did Angie not notice that vampire coming up behind Buffy? Oh, <laughs> right? She was too frustrated by her dancing with Xander. So this plays right into our whole idea that there's something between Angel and Xander. Oh, this whole and this entire episode. episode. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. 
After dealing with the vampire, Buffy falls into an open grave while Angel storms off brutally and she storms after him. And she's like, God damn it, this symbology. Why are people so fucking lazy as to to leave a bunch of open graves everywhere? You know why, Dave? Because it's a plot device. Because this is the Frankenstein episode. I had forgotten what this episode was (laughs) until like minute three. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was last week. Yeah. So this is the Frankenstein episode, and I was like, oh, Christ. So then she's like, oh, what's going on with, you know, why, why'd they leave this grave open? And then she sees some suspicious tracks beside mm-hmm. the open grave and finds their shoe. And she's like, oh, damn, someone dragged a body out of here. Boy shoe or girl shoe? Girl. It's a pretty shoe. Mm-hmm. So that's the end of our cold open. We've got it set up that someone's snatching bodies or something else. Someone's snatching bodies. Yeah. Pretty clearly snatching bodies. This scene that we open with after the theme was amazing. Giles practicing asking a chair out is amazing. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, he's so adorable. Oh, it's so cute. This whole episode, yeah, he's, he's so cute. clearly going to be asking J. Cal out. And he's so nervous about it and so British. When they said that J. Cal was in his age bracket, I was kind of like, okay, but is she? They just think that they're both old. <laughs> right, I forget these things. Buffy thinks that Giles is overcomplicating things and gives some great Buffy dialogue. Mm-hmm. This is, I think, the most Buffy speak we've had so far Yeah. of any line. Speak English, not whatever they speak in uh... England. Yeah. You just say, hey, I got a thing. You maybe have a thing. Maybe we could have a thing. <laughs> yeah. Concise. Very. As we were setting up that we were back in the school, <laughs> they use a shot that I just realized that I've probably seen 10 times already mm. in 14 episodes. <laughs> the exterior shot of Sunnydale with students running around. Oh, yeah. Obviously, they don't want to have a ton of shots of that and, like, keep filming that per episode. God damn. But they're reusing it real hard. <laughs> How many times do you think it's been the identical shot? I really want to go back and see a few of the shots. And at this point, I'm going to be picking people out of the crowd. Yeah. And rooting for them. (laughs) Like, oh, that kid never quite gets across the screen. I mean, we should legitimately do this. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. So in this scene, Michaela, (laughs) would you say that Buffy is looking high school aged? I mean, I would say she's looking 30, but... Yeah, she's looking older than me or you. She's got a very frilly shirt that, I mean, it's it's pretty, you know, compared to the other shirts we've seen her in, is pretty conservative. It's not- There's, there's no, no reverse V at the bottom. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> it's very deep cut, though. But yeah, it that's okay, though. And she has a very business skirt on. Yes. It's like all business, all skirt. I think part of it is her hair that yeah. just- There's no real one single thing in the ensemble. It's just everything draws attention to her body shape and her face shape to be like, hey, this person's 30, which is a crime because she's 21. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how they made her look so old, but they really did. Yep. So yeah, uh, Xander manages to be jealous of this whole Buffy's thing with Angie because obviously he wants Angie all for himself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is exactly what I thought. (laughs) He's talking, he's like, you saw Angel? Ugh. (laughs) Angel. And he says it in a way that's like, the subtext is, he hasn't even called me. Yeah, no, like, we're not making this up. This is real. This is absolutely real. This is what's happening in this episode. They find out who the exhumed corpse was, and it turns out 
likely that it was one of three girls who recently died in a car crash. And uh, Giles is back into the super hyped about creepy shit (laughs) phase. (laughs) Absolutely. But this brings us into our first segment of the evening. Oh, good. Let the bodies hit the floor. What happens in Let the Bodies Hit the Floor? <laughs> How many times are you going to do it? As many as it takes. As many as possible. Wow, that's a good question, Dave. Um, I mean, lots of kids are dying. I don't fucking know. That's it. Yep. Woo! How many kids have died in this school? Okay, so Jesse kicked it off as the most tragic death, right? Right. We all accept that. But through season one, it's a, sort of a running joke and like, ah, ha, ha, yeah, it's a small town. They emphasize that it's a very, very small town. Okay. Half of the teens are dead. Easily. <laughs> just Easily. everyone dies. <laughs> Cordy, I'll just talk about this now. Cordy later in the episode talks about how she had been not quite dating, but interested in this older guy, Daryl. And how he died, and that's tragic. And you're like, wait a minute, Cordy, how many of your boyfriends have died? Because there was Kevin in last season. Daryl wasn't technically your boyfriend, but still, like, that's not normal. What do you think is normal for boyfriends dying? And, like, even Mitch got the shit beat out of him by a sentient bat. That's true. Holy (laughs) shit. And yeah, I mean, this is the small snapshot of Cordelia's life that we have. Who knows? <laughs> like, she just thinks that it's normal. You know, you go out with a guy for a couple months, and then he dies. Huh. <sighs> yeah. Well, okay. Hopefully this season, we're gonna, we're gonna cut down on the kids dying. <laughs> I hope so, but we're not doing it in this episode, because three more have just eaten it. I mean, although they do say that those three girls are from a school across town or from a different town or something. Okay. And so at least... At least it's not more Sunnydale students. Because uh, Xander makes some comment about this other school competing with them in the crosstown body count competition. <laughs> Which, <laughs> yeah, very on the nose, Xander. Yeah. And man, this this episode, Xander, was, I would say, pretty much all are good. Are you kidding? Really? I can't remember him doing anything horrible. I don't know. Oh, maybe not. I <laughs> Other thought than he was still being super into Buffy. Angie. No, no, yeah, he, guess, no. <laughs> yeah. He he like makes a couple jokes about it. I think maybe the but... reason I thought he was gross is because if you don't think he's obsessed with Angie, then the <laughs> only other alternative is that he's jealous of Angie because Angie's around Buffy so much. Right, but I didn't even consider right, that. Right, because we both know <laughs> that Xander is just obsessed with Angel. <laughs> Uh, we've trapped ourselves. Great. Let's move on. <laughs> we meet the creepiest creep that ever creeped a creep in this episode. Wow. His name is Eric. So even if Xander is being creepy about Buffy, which, okay, maybe that was their pretend intention, whatever, he's got nothing on Eric. Nothing. Eric is the creepiest dude this side of Xander, in my <laughs> my words. That's so good. Yeah, so he's got a camera and he's just fucking taking pictures of girls. All the girls. And you're like, oh, (gasps) that's got creepy subtext. And then he just makes it text when he says. It's from my private collection. Oh, yeah. And then you're like, why doesn't Buffy smash his camera? Yeah. 
That would be perfect. Isn't that what you do? We also meet the other creep of this episode, but he seems not creepy right now. His name yeah. is Chris. And does Willow have a crush on him? Like, he's basically tall Oz, right? Yeah. Like, he's got a real Seth Green kind of vibe, except he's he tall. He really does. And he's smart, and he's talking to Willow, and they have right? common stuff to bond over. And Willow's looking really nice, talking to a cute boy. And that all seems to be going well, except this is Chris. And Chris and Eric together are the worst. He's also saying experiment real weird. <laughs> he keeps saying experiment. If Dr. Clark doesn't understand your experiment, he gives you higher marks, so it looks like he understands your experiment. And you're like, that's not, that's not how that's spelled at all. Anyways. Experiment. Like the gum. <laughs> yeah. Does this one Will has those sweet purple pants on? Yeah, it is. They're like dark purple. Oh, they're so good. And she's got a yellow box shirt on. Yep. It's a yellow shirt with a bunch of darker yellow squares. <laughs> she's looking tight, all right? She's looking fine. No, I'm, yeah. I'm into it, 100%. Cordy's got some sort of floral halter dress. <laughs> that's also amazing. And she has a really big hair clip. Mm. She likes those. She, It'll always huge. be on the left side of her head and oh, like yeah. forward. Hair clip Cordelia, we call her. <laughs> that's not a very catchy name, but that's all we've got, right? <laughs> it's implied at minute like eight that Chris and Eric are the ones digging up corpses. So they basically do that thing that the Scoobies always do about vampires, except yeah. Chris and Eric do it about not being interested in living girls. They take pictures of the girls and they're like, mm, ish, will she do? No, she's alive. Mm. Wait, you're in a school. Cordelia is so fine. You know, she'd be just perfect for us. Don't be an idiot. She's alive. There's no twist in this episode. Well, there sort of is. Yeah, it's it's not that big of a twist. We know the information before the Scoobies, at least. Mm -hmm. We don't learn it when they do. So maybe I think we've found that the episodes tend to suffer when they tell us yeah. all the information up front. And I think this does a decent enough job of that, at yeah. least, while doing a shitty job of most other things. I did like very much uh, when Cordy was trying to get sympathy from the Scoobies <laughs> about Daryl, and they're just 100% ignoring her. Like, just not even mildly acknowledging what she's saying. And then Giles gives her, like, a shoulder pat to be like, they're there. <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, Giles walks out of his office to <laughs> deliver a line of exposition, <laughs> then walks back into his office and uh, just hangs out in the background. <laughs> God. But you know what? Giles kills it in this episode. And there's great Joss dialogue in this scene mm -hmm. in general. Yeah. There's some really gross stuff. They're looking up the corpse and, I don't know, corpse facts in general. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a real gross episode. <laughs> Just no good. I was interested when Giles was like, that's crazy. Zombies don't eat the flesh of the living. <laughs> and you're just like, I feel that all zombie media these days has kind of decided that they do. Yeah, there's a different world in 98. But the, the traditional like voodoo zombie is just like corpses being controlled by mm -hmm. someone, right? And it's just a dead servant sort of thing. Yeah. I like that there's kind of this weird thing happening where Cordy is there. It's unclear why. And she's not really part of the group, but, like, she's also not being mean to them. <laughs> right. We're seeing in this season Cordelia hanging on to the Scoobies and trying to be one of the crew in a way that they really don't accept, which is yeah. a nice, you know, inversion. She's trying to get in with the group and it's not working. 
And this is the transition period where they're not sure what to do about it, and so they're going to ignore it. And she's she's kind of like, hey, are you guys fighting more demons? As if right. she had a blast. It's implied that like, she enjoyed her experience and wants to have more of these. Cordelia brings up Derek or Daryl. Daryl. I also thought she said Derek. When she first says his name, it's super mumbly. I went over it a couple times to be like, wait, are you talking about Kevin? The guy that died? Because she's like, oh, I would bring up too many memories about you. I would have asked Chris to help me, but then that would have brought back too many memories of Daryl. I'm like, who? Kevin? The guy that we saw die? No, an entirely different person. No, I I actually typed out Derek because I thought it sounded so much like Derek. I'm glad it wasn't just me. Then later somebody's like, oh, Daryl. I'm like, oh. Oh, I misheard that. So they decide that they need to go check out. There were three girls killed in this car crash. They need to go look at the other two. So some more graveyard scenes. Man, this show is dark. Like It's not lighting, bright. Yes. Lighting-wise, it is a literally a dark show. It's hard to see things yes. that are happening on the screen. <laughs> because there's no light. <laughs> right. I'm assuming they figure this out at some point, and you can see things while it's still implied to be nighttime. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I don't know if it's, like, darker on Netflix. I do have a lot of memories of, like, needing to watch this show with a lot of the lights off. Yeah. Because, yeah, no, sometimes it's real hard to see what's going on. We see Buffy and Willow (laughs) taking a shift off of digging, and I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Buffy's got Slayer strength as Giles and Xander are digging a hole. Digging to dig up the uh, The corpse. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, why Why isn't she helping? And even because they're like... fuck you, Giles. Yeah. Fuck you, Xander. We're not helping. I'm like, what? Why even have this so, weird thing? So, I mean, they, they want to have Buffy and Willow have a little scene where they have kind of a chat together. Right. And I, I understand that they also need to be digging a hole at this point, And having Willow dig the hole doesn't really make any sense. Because <laughs> Willow also decides that she needs to bring up the sexy dance... Yeah, it's a Ugh. lot of talk about the sexy dance, and I was Ugh. really hoping they would just forget <laughs> pretend, it happened. Pretend, just pretend no one that remembered. it never happened. You could do that so easily. You yeah. don't need to bring things up all the time. And Willow's kind of like making fun of her for it, so it's clear that Willow has forgiven her. But I mean, she still feels the need to bring it up. And should she forgive Buffy? No, nah. <laughs> she really shouldn't. So we learn here that Daryl is Chris's older brother. Daryl is the name. Yeah, they decide that now is a good time to acknowledge Cordy's cries for attention. Right. While she's no longer around. And then Willow gets stuck with a whole whack of exposition. To be fair, that is the best time to acknowledge Cordelia. Because <laughs> otherwise she just there. keeps fucking talking. <laughs> That's true. You don't you don't want her to know that you're listening. God. Right. No. And so Daryl had some sort of rock climbing accident, I think. Yeah, I thought for sure that that was going to be a front for something else. No, it seems like that's really what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he died. Cordelia was interested in him, I guess, and now is uncomfortable around Chris. Yeah, and then Chris has gotten quiet, and Chris's mom is messed up. Everyone's messed up about it. This Daryl guy seems like he was a pretty cool guy. Mm -hmm. We see Cordelia after cheerleading practice in some stranger danger. She's being followed by someone, and when someone's being followed by someone, who is it? (laughs) But Angel. (laughs) It's just every time. So it was very interesting here that, I mean, as she's starting to freak out because she knows somebody is there, her first thought is, Xander Harris, if this is some kind of joke. And you're like, it's night. You're at the school. Why would Xander be here? Because Xander's a creep. (laughs) And then, yeah, when people start panicking, they're also very, very bad at putting keys into (laughs) locks. 
I mean, this is a tension-building scene, and I think it does fairly well. I don't want anyone to be in this situation where they feel like they're being stalked, but Angie's going to stalk. Yeah, and so. I'm not saying she's not doing a good job. Like, it's you feel creeped out, and you're, like, afraid for her and everything. It's just, yeah. It's just funny when people start panicking, and they can't do anything, basically. So before Cordelia realizes that it's Angel, <laughs> she hops into a dumpster to hide from him. Then eventually he's just like, hey, Cordy, what's up? Why are you in a dumpster? And she's like, oh, it's just Angel. What? The dream boat. In the holy hell is he wearing? <laughs> like a white suit? <laughs> he's wearing like a white shirt and a tan jacket. Mm. It is the least <laughs> Angel outfit I have ever seen in my entire life. And he wears it for the rest of the episode. Right? Who costumed him? Maybe they thought that they wanted to make him seem less threatening, or <laughs> I don't know, because honestly, he just looks ridiculous. He's all broody in his tan jacket. What? <laughs> so he was accidentally stalking Cordelia because, <laughs> of course, he thought he was stalking Buffy. Again, can we just go back to that whole thing where he found her by smell in a sewer? <laughs> In a dumpster? No. Oh, no, no. Oh, Buffy. Buffy. When they found her in the masturbatorium, he followed his nose there. And how did he confuse Cordelia for Buffy? And Buffy's not a cheerleader? There's really no reason. It's a very strange thing to have happen. And I love that they're just running with this whole stalker thing. <laughs> Where they're trying to make Angel as creepy as possible because he's like, oh, Cordelia, I thought I was following Buffy. And they're like, <laughs> is that better? No, no, it's really not. But it's what we've come to expect from him. So then uh, Cordy's like, oh, well, I feel stupid for hiding in this dumpster. I guess I'll have to climb my way out. Oh, no, my skirt is stuck on something. Oh, it's a no, human hand. It's a hand. Mm -hmm. This is the worst place that I could possibly think of to dump body parts. Right? Because <laughs> you're going to school and you're like, well, I've got these body parts to dispose of. I don't want to make two trips. <laughs> and so they find a trove of body parts in the dumpster. It's super gross, but like, why would you ever do that? And not only do they find a trove, but Angel takes a good enough look at it that he's like, oh, that's not three full girls worth of body parts. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and yeah, Chris is supposed to be smart. None of this makes any sense. But yeah, anyways, the Scoobies show up at the school. Wait, why do they even show up there? Does that's Corey an excellent call question. Them? Are they coming back? They're coming back to hide the shovels that they used to <laughs> dig up the graves? I guess. Why? Yeah, why? But anyways, they walk into the library and Cordy's just hanging all over <laughs> and she... Uh, she is so close on him. It's hilarious. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. She's like, hey, we found some bodies. You creepy people would probably like to know about that. And they're like, what a coincidence. We just didn't <laughs> find any bodies. You know what my favorite part of this scene was, Dave? What is it? They all walk in. Buffy's like, Angel? And Angel's like, Xander. Angel. Xander. Angel. <laughs> <laughs> How did I not pick up on that? It's amazing. Oh. oh, God. They were meant to be, Michaela. That sexual tension, my God. Holy God. And Xander's just shell-shocked to see... Angel, the one with the angel face standing in front of him again. Wearing some absurd <laughs> jacket. Absolutely absurd. Angel relays all of his suspicious information about these corpses. 
And Giles is like, hey guys, but who would be able to make incisions that precise? Obviously Chris. <laughs> Willow's like, well, I could, plus all these other dudes from the science club. What yep. kind of science club are they running? Heavily biology focused. The school's just full of geniuses, I guess? Yeah, there's a couple people on this list. And I think Eric might be one of them in that oh. um, I'm not sure he's a genius. So Cordy's real shaken up, and Angel's right there and not pushing her away. So she's like, I really need someone to take me home. Angel, you're right here. Excellent. I'll drive. <laughs> and Angel just leaves with this like, wait, what just happened? As yeah. Cordy's dragging him out of the room. He's clearly not getting rid of her because he knows he's going to make Buffy kind of jealous. Yeah. And then you're sort of like, sorry, wait, how old are you? And this oh. is what you're stooping to? We will get to this. We I was will already absolutely here. get to this. I was already here now. So yeah. I know it's going to get worse, but yeah. And yeah, Buffy's super hurt by this. She's like, oh, Angel's going off with that tramp. And you're like, yeah, but he's not. What do you think's going to happen? She's going to take him home and bed him? Like, that would never happen. I mean, that's what Angel would call it if it did happen. <laughs> we get a quick little scene of Chris at home. Uh -huh. His mom clearly needs a lot of therapy. Yeah. She is sitting in a chair, smoking cigarettes, and watching old videos of Daryl. Yeah. And she doesn't know anything else that's going on. You know what this this begged the question for me, Dave, was mm -hmm. how do they have any money? Oh, money. <laughs> that and old I know that thing. we talk about this a lot, but these people living in their houses with their children... Well, Michaela, when your son dies, the government has to give you lots of... I, I have no idea. Maybe she sued someone. That's what they do in America, right? <laughs> so the Scoobies have a list of likely suspects, and they're going around searching lockers. And what do they find? But not one, but two evidence dungeons. <laughs> That's a good word for it. This oh, brings boy. us into our segment, Evidence Dungeon. <laughs> Are you sure making a documentary revealing your evil plan is the best idea? Quiet, Mr. B, it's on! Scudworth, I'm looking at a certain videotape here called Cloney Island, colon, my plan to steal the clones away from the shadowy board, colon, the movie. I've never heard of it. <laughs> so, so if you're a screenwriter for a television show or a movie, and you're like, hey... At the end, at the reveal, once people start to figure out who's doing something, mm. I need the audience to know and the characters to know, yes, this is the person to go after, or, oh no, I was wrong all along, and it was my trusted companion who was actually doing these things. And right. for this purpose, we have evidence dungeons. So, I mean, I understand that they want it to be clear that this is the correct person to be going after. They want it to be cut and dry so there's no moral conundrum that they have to face. But yeah, they're at least different. Yeah. <laughs> One is filled with books. Books like? Grey's Anatomy, Mortician's Desk Reference, Robichaux's Guide to Muscles and Tendons. I think it's fair to say Chris is involved. I have, I have a few things to say about this. Mm -hmm. So where do you think he got these books? From Giles at the library. <laughs> From the library, right? Yeah. So if only they knew the librarian <laughs> and they could ask him. Oh, that would make things so much easier. Uh, unfortunately, the librarian <laughs> hates them all. It's the principal that they have <laughs> good bond with. Right, of course. 
<laughs> Evidence dungeon number two is the Eric's. The creepier one, of course, because Eric's creepier. the creepiest guy ever. He has decorated the inside of his locker with kidnapper-style cutouts oh, yeah. from magazines of various body parts from women and taped them together into the perfect woman. Which is creepy in its own right, I mean, mm-hmm. regardless of what he's like, his purpose for doing this. And you're kind of like, every time he opens his locker, everyone can see that. Everyone. It's on the locker door. And so that yeah. like begs the question, is Eric so creepy that everyone's just like, oh, creepy old Eric. That Have checks out for him? him. He is super creepy. I guess yes. The answer to that question is yes. We've pointed out that it is indeed Chris and Eric. They are the culprits of the body snatching. Mm-hmm. We go to the corpse dungeon. <laughs> Another evidence dungeon that <laughs> they have set up conveniently. Right. Where we see, I think, Chris working on the corpse that is being assembled. We know it's a Frankenstein at this point. Like, it's there's clearly, no beating around yeah. the bush. And Eric comes up and has a really fun scene where he's just singing My Girl <laughs> about the horrible corpse monster that they're making. He's doing the creepy thing really well. Mm, He's very good. Oh yeah, this kid has, you're like, I'm getting zero empathy at all from him. He just is into this, not for the science, he's not into it for the reasons that Chris is into it, which aren't great, but at least are like family related. No, what's Eric even doing there? He just wants to to make a Frankenstein girl. That's it, right? Yeah, because once he's made one for Daryl, then they can make one for Eric. Their plan is so stupid. It's, it's so, so dumb. stupid. Oh, like, it's so dumb. <laughs> like, we can talk more later about how stupid it is. Yeah, we will. Oh, fuck, it's so stupid. Okay, next day. Xander is super jealous about Angel. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just He's never like, ending. <laughs> Buffy, you're always with Angel. I don't get it. <laughs> And the subtext is all, what does he even see in you? There's no angel for the rest of us, Buffy. Yeah. (laughs) There's some some fashion things happening here. Mm -hmm. Pretty sure Buffy's not wearing a bra. Okay. Which is an interesting choice for school. Yeah. And for someone who's supposedly 16. Yep. Willow is wearing something. (laughs) (laughs) It is such a sweater. How did I not notice this before? Holy shit. Okay, so I'm going to try to describe it. Oh, good. Listeners, imagine, if you will, a checkerboard. You decide, (laughs) I will wear this. But before I do, it needs to be more colorful. (laughs) Should any of the colors make sense? No, they should not. So I'm going to just choose random colors from a palette of black, teal, orange, (laughs) yellow, purple, and anything else. That's probably about it. Sure. And just splash them randomly around the checkerboard. And then I shall pick this up and fashion a sweater from it. And simultaneously, uh, she's wearing some oddly baggy blue pants. Mm. That seem to be maybe a similar material to whatever this shirt sweater thing is. Mm. It's just all good all the time. It's amazing. Giles <gasps> is waiting for J-Cal. Oh, it's so All of these cute. scenes are amazing. They're oh, so good. so cute. He's trying to ask her out with me. the advice that Buffy gave him. Right. He's failing horribly. She has to leave before he gets the chance to ask her out. He gets cock-blocked by the bell. He does. But luckily, through his ramblings, clearly she, like, inferred what he was trying, mm-hmm. where he was trying to go. 
And she asks him out to the football game that night. So much smoother than he is. <laughs> so smooth. <laughs> she even uses the how do you feel about Mexican oh, it's great. line that Buffy had given Giles. And I'm just going to say that this is the dream of probably every person who has ever asked another person out. Absolutely. To have them just interrupt you and ask you out instead. Holy shit. Oh, God. And her hair is a thousand times better. Mm. It Mm. is so much better. It'll get even better this episode when she puts it up. Oh, yeah. No, it does look much better. He's very flustered by this because he's not really sure what's happening. But then he gets super smiley because it's super cute. And then does he do an adorable little hop? Yes, obviously. Because he's adorable. Yeah. Oh, oh God, he's so cute. It's so good. Oh, Giles. Uh, Chris and Eric did not come to school. And when you've got two gross kids that are almost certainly making a monster not coming to school, that's bad things. Clearly, they need to find these guys and stop them. Mm-hmm. Willow's trying to figure out the science behind what they're doing. Oh, God. Which is a mistake. Just don't even bother, episode. Don't why, even like, bother. Why? Why do we even pretend like you, what's happening could be reasonably happening? We learned that there was no head yes. on the corpse or in the found, corpses that they, they found. found three heads. Oh, right. Sorry. Yes. Yes. And then Xander is uh, oddly callous about this. Hello. I want to get a head. Maybe an electrical current combined with an adrenaline boost. For the love of God, can somebody scratch my nose? <laughs> He's making some puns. He's having a fun time. Which, sure, I mean, I'm all for puns, but there's still three dead girls. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Right? That he's pretty sure are being assembled into a horrible monster. And he's, like, making jokes about getting ahead. He's also got his five o'clock shadow on, which <laughs> is... Uh, I saw. Yo, Dave, he's a high school student. You're you're seeing things. Hmm, I'm sure I am. <laughs> we get a nice scene with the gross dudes, and we find out dun 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 the twist of the episode. Twist! It is that Daryl, Chris's older brother, died, but then was brought back as a horrible Frankenstein thing. So this is where I start to have a lot of my questions. Yeah. Yeah. Backing up a little bit to the the jigsaw girl that they're making. Right. What happened in this car crash that they need to salvage parts of Why couldn't they make several girls? Right? Mm -hmm. Like- Why couldn't they bring a girl back? In the same way that Daryl has been brought back. Yeah, Daryl didn't need three other guys to die. So, don't understand that. Uh, Second point is that Daryl is a fucking scientific miracle. Like, we're talking Nobel Prize. Yeah, Chris should be making millions of dollars. I don't know, like, how long was he dead for before Chris managed to revive him? It doesn't matter. Any amount of time. Any amount of time, for sure. Chris is a miracle worker. Everyone's talking about it like, oh, I mean, yeah, of course he brought him back to life. No, not of course. No. It's a scientific miracle. This is the cut Lex Luthor a check where, like, a supervillain... Has these great abilities, makes these wonderful products, and instead of doing anything productive with them, just dicks around. And you're just kind of like, oh, like, why wouldn't you want to show this guy to everyone? Everybody. Definitely the Nobel Committee. They will have some fabulous things to say. For somebody who used to be dead, he looks okay. Mm -hmm. You know? He's all worried about going outside, etc. But it's not so bad. He is not easy on the eyes. I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, he's got his life, maybe health. I'm not sure about that part. Can he even be killed anymore? Who knows? Maybe he's invincible. I don't know. 
Yeah. It could be a lot worse, is all I'm saying. <laughs> he sure. can reintegrate. But he is afraid of going outside and needs a corpse bride to keep him company. And then there's some sort of football metaphor that I really didn't follow. Oh, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> catch Good. it? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> it's decided that they will take Cordy's head. She is the one that is chosen by Daryl. Mostly he just looks at the picture and he's like, that one. <laughs> and you're like, this is horrible. They're going to murder her. cavalier. <laughs> yep. That's the girl that, yep, whose head you're going to steal. Great. They're going to take her head off. <laughs> so I kind of wish they had gone with Giles instead. Because then the corpse would be super smart. It would be fly as hell, and it would have Anthony Stewart's head. So I'm really on board with everything you just said, but I vividly pictured Jigsaw Girl body with Giles' head, and it is horrific. This whole thing is super gross. It really grosses me out, and I have so little sympathy for any of the villains. Now, let's talk briefly about Chris's motivations. Do they make any sense? So Chris feels guilty. Because he did his science miracle, brought back mm-hmm. his dead brother. But his dead brother doesn't like being brought back right. because he's ugly. And so now he's going to be alone forever. And so the solution to that is to make him a corpse bride. Mm-hmm. I understand up to there. But then when you go to, oh, but the heads didn't keep very well, so we're going to need a different head. You've lost me. I understand up to my brother wants a corpse bride. I'll see if there's an intact young person who I could bring back. Sure. Just the same I did as Daryl. When you ask me to go grave robbing for you, not a fucking chance. When you're like, not just grave robbing, but also a sum assembly required. No. Then murdering a person? How is Chris ever, ever convinced that this is a good idea? And they live in Sunnydale. How long are they going to have to wait for a female student to be murdered? About five fucking minutes. Right? Like, and a vampire drains a student? There you go. She's basically fine. Yeah. No, it's just so dumb. And that's a big part of this episode. There is zero reason for Eric to be doing that other than he's super creepy. None at all. He's a creepy fucking jerk. That's, that's it. So he, there's no... Like, no sympathy whatsoever for anything that happens to him. Although, honestly, don't they kind of get away with what they were going to do? Yeah. Yeah. There's basically no punishment. No. So, Scoobies are going to go on the offensive. They are going to take the fight to Chris and Eric. And Willow is kind of sticking up for Chris. And I know that she kind of likes him. But no, honestly, this is wrong in every way. Don't stick up for him. I think she maybe just didn't want to believe that Chris could do that. Mm -hmm. Because it's so horrific. Was this the scene where they realize that they're going to need a head because Giles is like, of course, formaldehyde accelerates neural decay in the brain cells. (laughs) Yeah, he gets a lot of good exposition. He gets a lot of good actual acting with the J-Cal stuff. Why science? Why did they they ever try to do science? Like, why didn't they just say it was mystical? Yeah, magic. That's a thing. I'm on board for magic, not for science. Mm Mm-hmm. So Buffy finds the evidence dungeon that is Chris's basement. Daryl's in there, creeping around, doesn't attack her, but she finds, like, the picture with Cordy's head taped on it. Now, how did she find this evidence dungeon? Was there a really suspicious door she went through to get there? (laughs) Chris's door in his house, which reads, get out, authorized personnel only in two languages. Has a bunch of, like, fucking warning stuff on it. I don't know. I looked at that and I was like, that wasn't my teenaged room door. But, but 
I'm yeah. sure it was a number of teenage boys had similar things on their I rooms. I think it, it, for sure it checks out for like a teenage boy. But then at the same time, I'm kind of like, if I had something super secret somewhere, that's, that's <laughs> Hide not it behind where I would the keep it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Giles is looking adorable as hell oh. as he and J. Cal settle in for their date. He's got a sweet scarf on. He's got his drinks and the popcorn oh. and the flags and everything that he needs for the date as J. Cal's just there and they're like sitting down and getting settled. Fucking Xander and Willow crash the date, those jackasses. Like, what are they doing? They don't want anyone to be happy? Right? Okay, so I'm on board with J. Cal's hair in this scene, mm. but what in God's name is she wearing? Listen, she's got, like, some super high-waisted pants and some sort of crazy metal link belt happening. <laughs> she's got a tucked-in white lace shirt, a leather jacket, and, of course, a choker because it's the late 90s. Are you saying that she doesn't look good? I'm saying that I don't know what her pants are doing or her belt. <laughs> I think I'm okay with the rest of it. That's fair. But I just saw her belt. Well, I mean, it's not a belt. It's not, it's not serving the purpose of a belt. It's not holding those pants up, that's for sure. Right. So Cordy gets snatched, right? First, somehow, Daryl manages to make it all the way to the bleachers <laughs> with no one seeing him. It's night, right? Like, has he been outside before? His whole thing was that he didn't want to go outside ever, but now he's decided that he has to. Oh, actually, so they try to snatch Cordy before this. Oh, we missed that. Right. Shit. She's in the, the locker room and then Chris is in there and she's like, what are you doing in here? And it turns out that what they're doing in there is trying to kidnap her. Right. Cordelia's getting kidnapped. Yeah. This is the first time in this episode. <laughs> oh, we'll come back to this. Buffy saves Cordelia by flying kicking Eric in the face. And he just gets up and runs away. Yeah. He is a solidly built young man. <laughs> Except he's, he's very thin. In the face by the Slayer. He goes down hard, sure. But yeah, no. Seconds later, he is getting up. He is running away. Yeah. Chris spills the Daryl beans to Buffy and he's like, uh, it's not that bad, right? She's appropriately horrified and is like, it's worse than that bad. Yeah, but for some reason, so at this point I have in the, my notes, I called her Cordles, which <laughs> is hard to say, but I like oh. it. She was nearly kidnapped, and then she's like, Buffy, you saved me. Oh, thank goodness. Better go cheerlead. You're like, what? Dave, Dave, she's the apex of the pyramid. I don't give a shit. The apex. <laughs> she was just almost kidnapped. Listen, say what you will about her, but she is committed to this whole cheerleading thing. Absolutely. So committed. So, right, Eric and Daryl then went to go find a date. Yeah. Daryl shows up at the school and is creeping on Cordy. And then she gets snatched again. Ten minutes later? Like, generously. Ten minutes after she had first gotten snatched? Why do you go somewhere on your own when people are clearly trying to kidnap you? It makes no sense. Buffy, why not stay around Cordelia? What are She's you doing? the obvious target. Yeah. So this is becoming a habit for Cordy. So she's been kidnapped once this episode. <laughs> She ran from Angie this episode. She got kidnapped last episode by That's the cult. That's true. She did. Uh, when else was she kidnapped? Shit, I thought I had another one. I mean, Marcy kidnaps her. Marcy kidnaps her. And ties her, her yes. to a chair so the she can off. carve her face off. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> Cordy's life is getting kidnapped and her boyfriend's dying. And being saved by Buffy. But she thinks that this is normal because she doesn't have any point of reference to compare to. I mean, she grew up in Sunnydale. 
eventually she's going to talk to someone while she's in college about their experiences growing up. And she'll be like, oh, yeah, then he died. And they'll be appropriately <laughs> horrified. And she'll be like, doesn't that happen to you? <laughs> then I was kidnapped again. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, I would watch that for sure. So where does Cordy get taken? Um, To like a creepy warehouse in the middle of nowhere, I guess. I heard them say that this was the old science lab. I think that this is on school grounds. But then they say, scream all you want, no one will hear you. Because it's the old science lab, not the new one. This place is haunted house as fuck. It's creepy, oh yeah. It's got the shittily boarded up windows. It's got the green glowing goo. It's got the whole haunted house deal with like cobwebs and things boarded up. There's just random barrels (laughs) scattered around because why not? Cordy is attached to a hospital gurney. For some reason, they seem to think that, okay, they managed to give Daryl life, but he was a complete body mm-hmm. when then they did that. How is that in any way comparable to just taking Cordy's head off and popping it on this other body? <laughs> right? I love Eric's line about you'll feel a small pinch. Like, uh, you're going to murder her for sure, and nothing's going to come back. No. You are not the brains of this operation. And, like, whatever he was going to use to cut her head off, (laughs) it was not going to work very well. That's not going to get through a spine, let me tell you. So, yeah, I mean, this is all super horrific. Yeah, but don't worry, Buffy shows up. She and Daryl fight. The old lab starts burning down because, oh, gasoline. Oh, no, a spark. Ah, burning down. When the gasoline splashed onto the floor, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, is somebody going to become Two-Face? Rachel! Rachel! Okay. Rachel! Harvey, it's okay. It's all right. Listen. Some... that would be great that didn't happen no (laughs) no that'd be too good (laughs) buffy's fighting she's fighting daryl who is inexplicably incredibly strong because he came back from the dead and they've got to have people that are about buffy's strength around he just used to be a regular person right Mm -hmm. like a football player rock climbing man yeah but still and i mean he's a big guy don't get me wrong but again regular person Right. So they start fighting. Xander shows up to save Cordy. He wheels her out through the fire. (laughs) It's just real good. And Daryl chooses to burn with his bride-to-be rather than face life alone as her body starts going up. Or her bodies. I don't even know how to refer to it. It's gross. Yeah, this this basically just ties a neat little bow on the episode. Does it? (laughs) So we've burned all the evidence. Yep. The two no, people no who problems. are horribly responsible get away scot-free. Scot-free. And we can just continue on our merry way. Yeah, uh, Angie gets to show up again. Yeah. Still wearing that outfit <laughs> from yesterday. He wears nothing else in this episode. Yep. At the beginning, he's wearing something normal. Okay. Before, like when he meets Buffy in the graveyard the first time. Mm. Because I, di- I didn't freak <laughs> out about the tan jacket until right. the Cordelia thing. Giles is still being just adorable oh just the cutest he and jaycal are gonna have a continuing relationship date number two god she's she's just so smooth oh man yeah one of them needs to be clearly it's not him because he's just too nervous about it because he's adorable 
Oh, and then, uh, oh, I, I really love this. I love this so much. Cassander <laughs> complaining to Willow about how neither of them ever get any action. Because it's like, oh, Buffy and Angel are there. J. Cal and Giles are pairing up. Why do neither of us ever get anything? Cordy walks up to him and is like, Xander, I really appreciate everything. He's like, what you did in there was really brave and heroic. And I just wanted to tell you if there was anything I could ever do to... Do you mind? We're talking here. He's just so hilariously oblivious. It's so good. Although the implications of this are kind of troubling to me because Cordy says that she's appreciative that he saved her life. And if he ever needs anything, like this is a favor that she is willing to repay. And I don't see that as I'll go on a date with you. I think it's more the idea that maybe she's seeing Xander in a different light because he's just saved her life. Yeah, and it still works really well, and it's still very funny. And I think you can add creepy subtext to what she's saying, or you can just not. Yeah, yeah. and Xander's mostly just bummed out about not being with Angel again. He has to watch him walk away time and time again. <laughs> <laughs> Did you fuck that scene, man? The scene where, where Angel's just like, Xander? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. So Angie and Buffy go for a walk to tie the episode up. <clears throat> and this brings us into our final segment, which is called Over 200. That's definitely old. And like 43? That's not old. Crazy like a 241-year-old being jealous of a high school junior. And like 43? 241-year-old. 43? 241. <laughs> oh, that's a good callback to our other segment. Uh-huh. He's basically talking about how he's sad that he doesn't get to do all the everyday stuff with her. He makes a joke about how old he is. Yeah. And you're like, nope, that's just really creepy. Not that's funny at all. That's something you want to minimize, Angel. Stop Not telling talk her about more. that you're 241. Oh, God. He tells her, I think maybe multiple times in this episode. I don't know. Michaela, pretend that you are 27 years old. Yeah, good. I can do that. Stretch your mind. Good. Now, imagine you met a 16-year-old. Oh, that's <laughs> disgusting. Oh, goodness. <laughs> that's so gross. What right. would you have to talk about with said 16-year-old to find common ground to base a relationship upon? Well, could try to relate to them because I used mm -hmm. to. Ooh, I could teach them science. <laughs> You know how self-involved they are, so you could easily exploit that to talk about just them. I, that's true. As long as I only talk about them, and then, I mean, I would probably just have to Google what all the kids are into these days. Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's the grossest thing I can possibly imagine. Now imagine you're 241 <laughs> years of age, and in the exact same situation. If I'm 241, and I meet a 100-year-old, I'm like, this is so immature. I can't deal with their shit right now. Their youthful shit. It never ends this cycle or this process of becoming older and realizing that past you was stupid. Oh, yeah. And someone to be not necessarily ashamed of, but to be better than. That never ends. So he said 241 years of this. She's had 16. To your point, the oldest person he's presumably going to meet, unless we're talking about other vampires, is going to be like... Let's just, let's just call it a hundred. So mm -hmm. any person who he could technically date would be at least 140 years younger than him. Yep. So then maybe if, if your range is, if you're talking about like a 16 year old versus a 26 year old, maybe that's such a small difference to him <laughs> that. Anything's going to be creepy and shallow. So might as well go for this one. <laughs> 
I'm not saying it makes it okay. I'm just saying that might be what he's doing. It's a common trope. <laughs> it's something that we'll see a lot, not just in this show, but in other mediums. And I think it's a massive problem that has a number of practical limitations, as well as, you know, the <clears throat> pedophilia. I mean, what? Um, oh, yeah. It's disgusting. He's 241 years old. That person is a child compared to him. She's an infant compared to him. Yeah. It's creepy as hell. And yeah, mm-hmm. he should ha- hang out with her for like five minutes and think to himself, man, I want nothing to do with this nonsense. <laughs> oh, he'd be so bored and just <laughs> out of his mind with hatred. She's the worst. She has nothing interesting yeah. to say because she has so little life experience. <laughs> Can you imagine if someone tried to pull like a sexy dance on you to make you jealous? Oh. I mean, at this point, I like to think that I would just be like, oh, cool. That's ridiculously immature. Yeah. I don't need that in my life. I can just leave. And it worked, Dave. It made him jealous. Oh, so jealous. We're seeing it again in this episode. He just is like, why would you do that to Xander in front of me? You know all I want is him. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's the cap on this shitty episode. This is a terrible ending. I hated it. Everything about this last scene. Yeah, it, the camera pans down onto Daryl's gravestone, and you're like, I don't, okay. Who gives a shit? I don't care. Yeah. I would watch a show that Giles was the main character of. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's what I want. Oh my god. <laughs> I want like a Giles dating scene. Oh my god. Where all of your possible dialogue choices are just stuttering and stammering. <laughs> <laughs> we could call it Hetoful yes. Librarian. <laughs> <laughs> I would be in for that. That would be a much more interesting show than this Whatever episode the fuck was. This was. But what's happening next episode, Michaela? Oh, are you so hyped? Oh, it's so good. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Well, it's a little thing we like to call school hard. That doesn't give much away. But you know what, Dave? It really doesn't. It's parent teacher night at school. Uh huh. This may spell doom for Buffy as her mom has to meet Peace Night. <gasps> <laughs> Holy shit, what? And, as if that wasn't interesting enough, Spike's gonna show up and have some fun! We got Spike! (laughs) I'm so hyped. God, I got to the end of this episode feeling utterly demoralized. (laughs) (laughs) And then I see the thumbnail for the next one, and it's just Spike and whoever he's with. (laughs) And I'm like, yes! God, I thought we weren't getting to this until season three. I literally thought we had to wait another season for this. Oh, I'm so excited. Listen. Oh my god. We're going to start ramping up. This episode, next episode, is uh, it's a good one. I think it's rated pretty highly. I remember a shot of Spike's boot on a road somewhere. I remember him wreaking havoc in the school, a la the, very, the cold open of the very first episode. There's something. It's all very general. I have no idea what happens with parent-teacher interview, but it sounds amazing. <laughs> Listen, it's going to be great. This, <gasps> this is going to be definitely a thousand times better than the beginning of this season, for sure. And you know what? I, I think you're going to have a good time. Uh, quickly, my favorite outfit from this episode was that crazy whatever-the-fuck Willow was wearing. Uh, <laughs> That's so good. I don't know what to call it's it. so checkerboardy. It's so checkerboardy. And just... <laughs> Oh, so good. Yeah. They're starting to make her look better in general, on average, yeah. but occasionally they just need a throwback to what the hell, Willow. Because even when she's wearing those purple pants and the yellow shirt, she looks great. It's mm-hmm. a bit of a, of a kind of like a funky outfit still. And like, you know, she's not generally wearing, like Cordelia is usually like in a dress 
or right. in a skirt or something. And they don't usually do that for Willow unless she has tights on underneath because they want her to be more cutesy, I think, than anything. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, no, she's looking great generally. All right. Well, that just about does it for us. If you want to get in contact with us about anything we've said over the course of the show, you can reach out to us on email at beyondvenue.hellmouth at gmail.com or welcomehellmouthpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to reach out to Michaela or I personally, you can reach out on Instagram. I'm at Insta90kilograms. <laughs> Michaela? Christ. Oh, you always do these things to me. How can I, how can I beat that? I asked you if you wanted to hear them in advance. And you I said, said no. no. You're right. It's 100% my fault. All of this stalling has not helped me at all. Anyways, I am at Minstakela. Make sure to hashtag those welcome to the Hellmouth so that we can sort them out from all the pictures of food. And until next time, farewell, farewell from, from the, the Hellmouth. 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 Hellmouth.